Uh, I'm going to invite you to, uh, I'm going to encourage you to go ahead and get started because uh, you're, I'm going to ask you to turn to Zephaniah chapter 1 verse 1. Now I won't read it for a while, uh, so, um, so that gives you plenty of time to look for it. Uh, and you be my guest to be willing to, uh, uh, to go to what is called the table of contents. Uh, that's not inspired, but it is a place right there at the beginning of your Bible that it's encouraging from time to time uh, when we need to know what in the world and where do I find Zephaniah. Um, and as we think about um, uh, Zephaniah, and we're in the middle of a series entitled uh, Wise Men, Wise Words, uh, we're going to see some words today that Zephaniah gives uh, to the children of Israel. And as we think about kind of putting him in context, uh, Justin will be back in a second. He'll put our verse up there. But uh, Zephaniah reigned uh, as a prophet, really started uh, growing up under a king called Manasseh. And uh, in growing up under a king called Manasseh, let me tell you what, if you go read about Manasseh, uh, you will see this. Uh, you will see that Manasseh did evil in the sight of the Lord. Uh, now, the good thing is that Manasseh died, uh, and he turned the kingdom over to his son, Ammon. Let me tell you about Ammon. The Bible says Ammon also did evil in the sight of the Lord. And so that's who Zephaniah kind of grew up under. He grew up under uh, a king who did evil in the sight of the Lord. As a matter of fact, it said did more evil than all those kings before him. Now I want you to know you've stood out, all right, as a sinner and a godless king when they said you did more evil than all the evil kings that went before you. Uh, hopefully, guys, that doesn't end up on any of your obituaries, that uh, this was the meanest man. This was the meanest man we've ever had. He was meaner than all the mean men before, right? Uh, and then he gives way to Ammon, uh, who Ammon is so evil. Now, here's the, here's the interesting point. If you go read Manasseh's life, he was basically a godless king. But when he came to the end of his life, he had a season of repentance, kind of a thief on the cross type experience. And in his last moments, he instituted spiritual reform in Israel, in Judah. And um, so he asked them to begin to trust God, to turn to God. Then he dies. Ammon, his son, comes into power and Ammon decides, eh, I don't really think we want to go that way. Ammon was 22, by the way, when he grew up. He had kind of enjoyed the evil nature of what was going on, probably experienced some of the teenage pleasures of what it means uh, to grow up uh, with the high places that they could go off to, with the high place prostitutes and all the things. And Ammon said, you know, dad's dead. I really don't want to uh, carry through with these spiritual uh, reforms. Not a big fan of this real revival thing and this purity thing. So Ammon begins to turn the children of Israel back towards the evil practices. And the beautiful thing is, and now I'm not going to encourage this, especially in the church, uh, some of his servant men uh, rose up against Ammon and said, you know what, we've got to continue on the path of revival. And they killed him. They assassinated him. One of these things that you see in the Julius Caesar type things, I mean, that took place. Ammon's servants killed him, which turned the kingdom then over to a young king named Josiah. How many of you have ever heard of Josiah? 
uh, youngest king in, uh, in all of uh, Israel's history. He was eight years old when he took the crown. So Zephaniah grows up in this moment and in this season that he probably uh, was a young boy towards the end of Manasseh's life. Then he grew up into a maturity, more in Ammon's uh, short reign. But then he really was the prophet during Josiah's reign as well. Now, the beautiful thing about Josiah is, um, is that Josiah teaches us a couple of things. And I think it's encouragement for us as we think about wise men, wise words. Uh, when we think about Josiah, um, his family was a wreck. And guys, I don't know where you came from, online or in person here. I don't know if you came from a family with a legacy of um, uh, that Josiah had. I mean, how would it be if everybody around you knew your granddad as the king who did more evil in the sight of the Lord than any of the other evil kings before him? Or if your dad, Ammon, was known as the king who did more evil in the sight of all the other kings than any other evil king before them. And here you are, that's your family legacy. If that's where you are, I want to encourage you to look at Josiah. Because Josiah's legacy was one of turning their back on God. Now, the beautiful thing, I do believe that Josiah had heard or had an inkling that his grandfather Manasseh at the end of his life began to say this is futile the way we are living the way we're walking away from God it's ultimately going to lead to judgment and disaster and so in those fading moments of Manasseh's life he repented and started reforms then his father kept uh, turned back away from the spiritual reforms. And jo Josiah teaches us something, guys, that regardless of where you came from, the family and the heritage that you came from, God can take you where you are and use you from this point on. And so as we think about Zephaniah prophesying in this season, in this moment of Josiah's reign, that's kind of who we're talking about. Another thing I think if you just think about uh, Josiah, uh, age doesn't matter. This dude was eight years old when he took the throne. Now, anybody in here you're part of, you know, we hear a lot right now about the king and the queen over in, uh, over in England, right? And then you got uh, Meghan and Harry or whoever it is over here, you know, whatever's going on. Anybody in that legacy, anybody in that family legacy, See, I'm not in the line at all. I've never been in the line of a king. My guess is no one else is in here. But man, what a beautiful thought that at eight years old, God can use him. Now, if you think about young King Josiah being used by God, and age doesn't matter, he's eight. And Manasseh, his grandfather, repenting at the end of his life. Here's the beautiful thought, guys, is that age doesn't matter. You can have a spiritual impact on your family and your family's legacy and your church and your community, regardless of whether you are young or whether you're old, whether you're single or whether you're married. And, and as I think about that idea, some other thoughts I was thinking about just as it related to um, Josiah is um, the one thing that is clear that Josiah did is as they were cleaning out the temple, remember? It, it had been uh, basically abandoned by Manasseh. 
they began to clean it up. He continued the reparations and repairs of it, and they found the book of the law. They found God's word and began to read God's word. And just reading God's word is one of the things that spawned the revival of God's people and the renewal of God's people. So as you think about Zephaniah growing up under Manasseh, Ammon, and, and Josiah, and then you think about Josiah and you think about Manasseh, guys, it doesn't matter what your age is. God can use you. It doesn't matter what your family tree looks like. God can use you. But one thing it requires is that you would do like Josiah did and even like Manasseh did, begin to dust off the temple in your life. You say, what do you mean by that? I'm talking about your spiritual heritage, if you've let it go just a little bit. Your, your spending time with God's Word, if you just no longer see that as important. I want to encourage us to dive into God's Word each and every day. Because if we think of them about the wise men and the wise words today, we're going to read this here in a second. Here are the wise words from Zephaniah. God is with you. Mighty to save. My guess is you've heard that in a song somewhere. God is with you. Mighty to save. It doesn't matter who your family is. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter uh, how you spent or wasted your life. Man, God's with you. Mighty to serve. And so notice, and let's just read Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 1. It says, The word of the Lord that came to Zephaniah, the son of Cushai, the son of Gedaliah, uh, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah, during the reign of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. And so we've talked a little bit uh, really about who Josiah was. And regardless of his history and his past, here's what it does. I love what 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 2 tells us about Josiah. It says, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Remember, guy's eight years old. A legacy of evil dads and evil kings. It says, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, uh, in the eyes of the Lord, and he walked in the way of David his father, and he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. So as we think about this, your family heritage doesn't matter, your age doesn't matter, all that matters is that you would dust off God's word, begin to live by God's word, and don't turn from it to the right or the left. I will tell you, probably before lunchtime today, every one of you guys, you're going to have an opportunity to turn left or turn right. And what is Josiah praised for right here? Is that when he opened and restored and began to read the book of the Lord and the law of the Lord, he didn't turn from the left or the right. Then jump down to verse 19. He says, because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I had spoken. I have also heard you. Listen to that. I love that. It says that Josiah, regardless of his family, regardless of his age, regardless of anything, he didn't, he didn't do anything but read God's word, not turn from it to the left or the right. And then God says, I heard you. If you've ever wondered, man, does God hear my prayers? Let me ask you a question. Have you been listening and reading to God's word? Have you been faithfully walking with him day by day? 
I can just tell you in my life, it, you know, even prior to uh, me surrendering the ministry and currently in the ministry, there have been times as your pastor that I've, I felt like I've prayed and, and felt like I haven't heard God speak or haven't felt or sensed Him lead me like I wanted. But I will also tell you, over 26 years as your pastor, there have been those seasons in my life where I faded from being faithful to study God's Word, to see what God's Word wanted to say to me that day. And I've had those transitional short seasons in my life where I just started studying God's Word to see what He wanted me to say to y'all on Sunday. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, there's a significant difference in that. From me reading God's Word, saying, God, what would you have me do? How would you have me live? How would you have me walk? How would you have me lead my family? There's a significant difference between reading God's Word that way and reading God's Word this way. Man, God, what do you want me to say to Rex this week? Now, let me tell you what, there's a lot, right? I mean, he, how many of you know Rex needs me to say a lot to him each and every Sunday? And the only person that raised two hands is the only guy that leads him, Keith that needs more said to him on a Sunday morning, right? I mean, there are times that if I'm not careful, I can read God's word because you need to hear something, not because I need to hear something. And so I want to encourage this man, look at that. It says he did not turn from the left or the right. You read God's word. And then it says, and therefore, when you prayed, God declares, I heard you. And so as we think about these two guys, Zephaniah, who was a prophet, Kind of a nobody prophet. Probably he's such a nobody prophet that at least 90% of the guys who looked up Zephaniah in the last few minutes had to go to the table of contents. Pretty insignificant. He's one of the minorest of minor prophets. How many of you know what? And you may feel that way. But let me tell you what, God can use you in a powerful way, regardless of where you've been, regardless of what you've been through. And Josiah leads the children of Israel into a national season of spiritual renewal and repentance. And if we think and look back of all about on, think about all that is going on in our world today, how many of you know we could use some national repentance? We could use spiritual renewal. We could use some spiritual revival. I mean, if you think we need that, why not you? Why not me? Why not Cottonwood Creek? Why not? I got an idea. Why not one of these eight-year-olds that are walking into vacation Bible school that some of you helped their moms park the car because the dad said, get him out of the house, if there is a dad. And let me tell you what, there are going to be some five-year-olds and some six-year-olds and some seven-year-olds and some eight-year-olds and nine-year-olds and 10-year-olds and 11-year-olds and 12-year-olds on the campus this week who might be this country's Josiah and we don't even know it yet. There might be some Zephaniahs. See, in age, they were not peers. Zephaniah was much older than Josiah. There might be some Zephaniahs in this room that all you've got to do is pave the way for the Josiah to lead a country that was godless and sinless but had an amazing heritage. Does that sound familiar to anybody? 
We are so much a godless and sinful country, but we have a godly heritage that God has blessed us almost from day one. And man, we all want to see that happen again. But here's the pattern. And, and, and young Josiah didn't have the family that says, you go be a preacher. You go be a godly king. No, he had a family legacy that said, do the evil you want. It can't get worse than Grandpa Manasseh. Do whatever you want, Josiah. You're eight years old. You can have all the women, all the wine, all the song, all everything. It can't be worse than Ammon. But instead, he had spiritual commitment and spiritual courage to walk by faith. And I love those words, man. He did right in the sight of the Lord. So as we leave here today, guys, that needs to be our call, regardless of your family, regardless of your age, regardless of your history, regardless of anything. Now, let me tell you some of the things that he did. And these will apply to our lives, and we are getting back to Zephaniah. You want to know one of the first things that Josiah did is he cleaned the temple out. He said, get all the junk out of the temple. Get it out. Guys, there are some things that have probably cluttered up our lives and our calendars that we need to get it out so we can focus back on God. It's kind of interesting if you go read through Manasseh's life. One of the things that Manasseh did is he built beautiful high places for people to go outside the city and worship in these beautiful places to false and fake gods. And in spending all of his time and all of his energy making these high places beautiful, the temple of the living God ended up being in disrepair. And I love the idea that, man, anybody else noticing this besides me that this microphone just keeps falling on me? So, uh, and what he, he let the temple of God go in disrepair. Does that happen in your life? The man, when you think about your hobbies that you spend your time and your finances and your money on, they're all pretty and they're all perfect. But when you think about your spiritual life, it's filled with clutter. It's filled with junk. And one of the things Josiah did, he says, listen, if we're ultimately going to come back to God as a nation, man, the temple of God can't be in disrepair. Guys, for your life and my life, if we're really going to be who God wants us to be, we got to make sure that we clean up the clutter in our lives. And that's when, while they're cleaning up the clutter, that they found the law of God. And Josiah said, we're going to start reading this. We're going to start living it. We're going to start applying it. And we're going to start walking with it. So I love this idea. He reinstituted the Passover uh, at that point. Manasseh, his grandfather, had allowed a bunch of mediums and witches to set up just outside the city where the people could go through and kind of have their cards read, if you know what I'm saying, have their fortunes told. You know what Josiah did? He said, get rid of them. He says, there's only one person we need to consult about our future. And it's the God who spoke the world into existence. It's the God who chose us as his children. So for you and me, man, make sure we're listening to the right voices. So as we think about Zephaniah uh, and we think about Josiah, man, what a beautiful imagery and what a beautiful thought. And so let me encourage you, go back to Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 1. I want to show you something in Zephaniah. 
In verse 1, it says, the word of the Lord. All right? That's how Zephaniah's book starts. Now go all the way back down to the last verse of Zephaniah. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 20. Notice how the book ends. Says the Lord. Pretty impressive bookend for one of the minorest of all the minor prophets. Bookend beginning, God speaking. Bookend at the end, God speaking. It's what goes on in the middle that you and I need to remember. As we think about this, you go look at the psalmist. The psalmist says, God created you in your mother's womb. He knit you together. Thus saith the Lord. I'm creating this individual, this man, with these talents, these skills, and these abilities. And then we get to live our life. And at the end of the day, thus saith the Lord. At the beginning, God says, I am creating you with all the potential, all the possibilities, all the abilities you will ever need to fulfill my purpose. At the end of our lives, the word of the Lord will come and say something about what took place between beginning and end. You say, what will God say? First thing he's going to say is, did this person trust me and trust my son as Savior and Lord? You know, the writer of the book of Hebrews said, it is appointed for a man once to die and then judgment. The most important question you or me or anyone listening to this podcast later will ever answer is have I come to a place where I've acknowledged my own sinfulness and I've realized that apart from what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross, there is no forgiveness. I can't be good enough. I can't earn my salvation. I can't go, go, go to church enough. There's only one way by faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for me on the cross. That's the first thing that God's going to say. Did this individual trust me, trust my son? is Savior and Lord. The next thing that God's going to do is He's going to begin to judge us. If the answer is no, it's eternity in hell. Send Him away from me. If the answer is yes, which my prayer is, everybody on Zoom in here and everybody in this room, but I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to make that assumption. That's between you and God. The next thing is God's going to begin to look at what we did between the thus saith the Lord's. And he's going to say, take all of their works, all of their words, all of their deeds, everything they've ever done, take it over and put it in the fire. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And God's going to say, just, just bring me back what's left of John Mark's life. Bring me back the good stuff. Let's get rid of all the junk. So let me ask you a question. In between your thus saith the Lord your birth and your thus saith the Lord your, Lord your death, the good news is, to my knowledge, y'all are all still alive in here. That's just what I believe. Could be wrong. Is that that means there's still time 
for you to do some good stuff. There's still time. You say, Pastor, you don't know all the bad stuff I've done. You're right, I don't. But thus saith the Lord at the end, says he took care of that at the cross 2,000 years ago. The question for you and me is what will we do between now and the final, thus saith the Lord. And, and here's the beautiful thought when we think about Zephaniah's words and, and ultimately what he said. Look at Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 18. When we move towards our final, thus saith the Lord, it doesn't matter how much money you have, it doesn't matter how much wealth you have, it's not going to save you. Zephaniah said this, he says, neither their silver nor their gold will be able to save them on the day of the Lord's wrath. It doesn't matter what your 401k says. It doesn't matter how much you have saved in the bank. It doesn't matter how much of a financial heritage and legacy you can give to your next generation. I want you to know when we move towards that last, thus saith the Lord, your money doesn't matter and your wealth won't save you look back over the history of our country we've got a number number of amazing legacies of people rocker anybody ever heard of a rockefeller how many of you have noticed they still all die you notice that and we could go countless billionaire after billionaire after billionaire after billionaire they still die so guys, it doesn't matter if you're living on a paltry Social Security check right now or if you are living high on the hog because of the talent and skill that you bring. At the end of the day, when it comes to that last, thus saith the Lord, that won't save you. Here's the second thing I love Zephaniah said in Zephaniah chapter 2, verse 3. He says, regardless of where you are right now, in the middle of those two, thus saith the Lord's, he says, seek the Lord. And live righteously. Zephaniah chapter 2, verse 3 says, Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, you who do what he commands. Seek righteousness, seek humility, and perhaps you will be sheltered from the day of the Lord's anger. Man, as we just think about that, so how then should I live knowing that money and wealth isn't going to ultimately save me? Well, here it is. I live by seeking the Lord. What do I do to seek the Lord? Well, I want to encourage you. I've already talked about this. Josiah gave us the example. Man, dust off God's Word. Begin to read it in your life. Clean out the holy places in your life. Don't make your hobbies more, uh, more beautiful than your spiritual journey and your spiritual walk. Dust off those spiritual disciplines in your life. Don't let your age stand in your way. And listen to this. I, I love that. Don't don't let anything stand in the way of seeking the Lord. In His Word, in worship, in service. Man, when we get in church, when you get in worship on Sunday morning, man, and we begin to sing a song, your first response shouldn't be, do I like this song or not? I'm telling you, that should not be your first response. If it is, you need to dust off your spiritual places. Your first response ought to be, what does the message of this song tell me 
about the goodness of God. And it might not be my favorite tune, but if it speaks the truth, let it inspire me to be faithful. So seek the Lord. Notice the next thing it says, and this is helpful. Seek humility. Seek humility. You know what I saw from a bunch of guys yesterday? Some of them, honestly, who have amassed more wealth than I'll ever, I'll ever amass. They were standing out there in three foot of water. Parking cars. So some eight-year-old Josiah or Josiette could come in here. They were standing in the back parking car. That's humility. Let me tell you what, it would have been pretty easy to say, am I not above this? None of us are above anything for the Lord. So seek the Lord, but seek Him with humility. Say, God, where do you want to use me? How do you want to use me? When do you want, me, want to use me? And then he says, seek righteousness. Seek the Lord. Before that final, thus saith the Lord. Seek Him with humility. Say, God, if you want to put me on the platform, put me on the platform. If you want to put me on the bench, put me on the bench. God, if you want me to work in the locker room, locker room. If you want me to park cars, park cars. That's humility. And then it says, seek righteousness. What does that mean? What is it in your life and my life? What is that secret hidden sin that keeps us from being everybody God wants us to be? Everything God wants us to be. I will just tell you as your pastor, we all have those things in our lives that if we aren't careful, they can draw us away from being who God wants us to be. Would you all not agree that we all have at least one? Probably if I ask how many of you would agree that most of us, some of us have a dozen or more things that could draw us away, we'd probably have to honestly raise our hands, right? But my guess is there's at least one or two things that, man, if you aren't careful, it, it, it can tarnish your works and tarnish your life and tarnish your reputation and tarnish everything God wants to do through your life. So, guys, seek the Lord. Seek Him humbly. God, I'll do whatever you want to, but I want to seek Him in righteousness. God, what is it about the things that I say or the things that I do? What is it about my relationships? Or what is that hidden sin in my life that if I am not careful, it will destroy everything precious to me? So thought number one, Zephaniah says, your money won't save you. Thought number two is this, seek God in righteousness and humility. And here's thought number three. Go down to Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. And this is where we're going to leave this room. Zephaniah says this, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. Guys, when you and I leave this room today and you head off to a world that we don't necessarily know what's waiting for us. But here's what I do know. Difficulties out there. Hardships out there. Diseases out there. Hard people are out there. We seem to have developed a political structure in our country that is hostile to the faith. If we're sending our Josiahs, our kids, and our grandkids into academic institutions right now, they're going to be peppered with challenges to their faith like never before. And what do we do? Exactly what Zephaniah said, the Lord your God will ultimately be with you. 
And not only do we need to be reminded that God's with us, we need to remind our kids and grandkids, all these kids in VBS, that regardless of where you go, God is with you. And then that last phrase, mighty to save. A warrior, mighty to save. That means regardless of how badly the deck gets stacked against us, our God's going to come through. Regardless of how bad the, the deck gets stacked against us, our God is going to come through. The most vivid illustration of that is what took place with the cross over 2,000 years ago. When Jesus showed up in this earth, and all he did was good to people. He healed, he fed, he taught, he pointed to God, and one of his own betrayed him. All the rest denied him. He was mocked, he was spat upon, he was judged, he was taken to a cross. When he was hanging on the cross, the Son of, the God, Son of God, while he was hanging on the cross naked, they were gambling for his garments at the foot of the cross. Why did he allow that? For you, for you and 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 me. Because he also knew the story wasn't over there. Says he breathed his last, they put him in a tomb, and he stayed there. But ultimately, that first resurrection morning, it was revealed to the women who went to the tomb first, and then the disciples who followed, that he is the Lord, mighty to save. And so as we journey out of here today, guys, we don't journey out of here thinking that our money and our wealth is going to save us there will still be a thus saith the Lord. You've had your first, but there will be another one. The second thing we have to leave here understanding is my call when I leave that door is to seek the Lord. Seek Him with humility and righteousness. And regardless of what happens when I go through that door, I serve a God who's with me. But more importantly, he's mighty to save. Don't ever forget that. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. God, thank you for the men in this room and the men on Zoom. As we think about these two men, Zephaniah, one of the minorest of minor prophets, who reminds us of the amazing thought that regardless of the kings he grew up under, he was still a righteous man who was willing to speak the truth regardless. Let us be that kind of man. God, like Josiah, who had a family legacy of spiritual ridiculousness, but regardless of his age, dusted off the Word of God, and a whole nation repented. God, let us be those kind of men, knowing that our money won't save us, but we can seek the Lord with righteousness and humility. And regardless of what comes our way, God is with us.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You guys have a great day. Take care. Thanks for being here. Say hello. Get to know someone you don't know before you head out of here. And y'all have a great day. Pray for VBS today. It's going to be a good one. Thank you, John Mark. Thank you all. Oh, oh, don't forget a box. Uh, did you open my door, Justin? Hey, all you got to do is go in there, grab a zip code, put it on their door, take a picture of it, send them a text. You guys doing well? Doing well. Good morning. Good. Good morning to you all. So we're here in the chapel. Is, is the uh, audio worse when we're in this chapel, or is it better for you guys? Or is it about the same? Bad. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Is okay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. yeah. it's good. pretty good. Good. All right. Yeah. All right. Actually, it's all good. It's all good. good. There you go. I like it. I like it. So it's much better in the chapel. Actually. Oh, is it really? Okay. Yeah. All right. You're, you're louder, and so are they when they're talking, though, at the beginning. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> is that, that, I, I don't sense that's which, necessarily which a good is thing. Bad. We, can, we can hear them when they're talking about something specific like news you can use, but when they're chitter-chattering, oh, it's the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and there is a lot of chitter-chatter going on out there. <laughs> that's that's what thing. we're best that's at. That's a good thing. Cottonwood Creek, that's our spiritual gift, chitter-chatter. So uh, anyway, well, y'all take care, guys. Have a great day. See y'all. See everyone. Know how